You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Dinner fork, fish fork, lunch fork, lobster fork, fruit fork, salad fork, dessert fork, ice cream fork. Yes, ice cream fork, pastry fork, seafood fork, strawberry fork, snail fork, oyster fork. So many forks. Welcome back, friend. Today we are talking about forks. And it is a huge departure from last week. Um, But you know, you know me, I like to keep you on your toes. When I started researching forks, something I never thought I would do, I was amazed at just how much hate there was for forks in the past. I did not know that people could hate a utensil so much and for really ridiculous reasons. And I can't wait to share with you those ridiculous reasons. So grab a snack, find your dog to cuddle with, pour yourself a drink, do what you gotta do to get comfy, and let's get going. So first of all, where in the heck did the fork come from? Humans have had the shape and symbolism of the fork for a long time since forever. I'm sure you can think of a few symbols right off the top of your head, like Poseidon's trident, the devil's pitchfork, more on that later. But those aren't the only ones. The ancient Egyptians also had some fork symbolism, and the earliest depiction of a fork was in the second century, and it was found in an Eastern Han Dynasty tomb, which is super cool. So the whole world has had forks and fork symbolism. But the fork is a relative baby compared to the knife and the spoon. So let's make a little timeline of where these three utensils fall. So first of all, we've got the knife, and it was the first tool that humans used. You can kind of find knives or knife-like objects in nature. You get a rock, you make it sharp, you got a knife. There you go. Next is spoons, and the spoon is the oldest eating utensil. There's a difference between a knife, which is a cutting, I guess you can eat with it, but that's dangerous, don't do that. So the spoon is the oldest eating utensil. It's really hard to trace back when the first spoon was used, but we can trace when a handle was attached to the spoon, and that happened in ancient Egypt in about 1000 BC. This new spoon with a handle was used mostly for religious purposes in 1000 BC, and it was also used as a table utensil, something that people regularly ate their food with. But when it comes to the fork, it has a little bit of a different past. Forks have been used for cooking for a really long time. And like I said, all the way back into the second century with, you know, the Han Dynasty in China. But they really didn't become a common thing until the 10th century in what is now the modern Middle East. Back then, it was the Byzantine Empire, and the Byzantine Empire was going strong. They were doing their thing. They were very prosperous. They were making all sorts of stuff, and the fork was included in that stuff. Now, this was the first time the fork was used as a table utensil and not a cooking utensil, and people were loving it. They had clean fingers. It was great. The fork PR was going crazy. It was fantastic. The fork was living its best life. But something would happen in the 11th century that would cause all sorts 
of fork-related drama. The fork had really only been used in the Byzantine Empire, and it hadn't spread to the rest of Europe yet. In the 11th century, in the year 1004, there was a beautiful marriage between Maria Agropolina and the Doge of Venice. So Maria was a Byzantine princess, and she had been used to using forks. And when she came to Vienna, which is a part of Italy, she brought with her a case of tiny forks. Tiny golden forks. But there was a man among the court of Vienna named St. Peter Damien, a.k.a. the downfall of the fork. So our friend St. Pete was a clergyman of the Catholic Church, and I would say a super stickler for the rules. The fork didn't stand a chance, and it had two big strikes against it when it first came to Italy. Number one was its name. The name fork comes from the Latin word furca, which means pitchfork. And who carries a pitchfork? That's right. The devil carries a pitchfork. And at this time, the Catholic Church and symbolism was a big thing. If you remember back from the episode about the Pope's war on cats, you know if it's even loosely associated with the devil, it's now on the no-no list. And so forks were on the no-no list for its name as well as something else. In the book Feeding Desire by Rebecca Popino, she describes people's relationship with food and God in this way. Food was a gift from God, and to use an artificial means to convey it to the mouth implied that this heavenly gift was unfit to be touched by human hands. So basically, she was saying, God made the food, and so you can pick it up with your hands and put it in your mouth, and you're going to be fine, because God gave you the food, and God gave you the fingers. This was just too decadent to our friend Petey, and it was an abomination for her to use such a decadent thing like a golden fork. And this was not a really good time to make the Catholic Church upset, because they were going through some stuff. They were going through something called the Great Schism, which was a split between Eastern and Western Christianity, which caused it. It was, it was a big deal. And it was not a good time to be introducing new, mildly devilish things. But St. Pete would not let up on Maria or the fork. Unfortunately, two years after Maria came to Vienna, she died of the plague. And this is what our friend St. Pete had to say about that. Nor did she deign to touch her food with her fingers, but would command her eunuchs to cut it up into small pieces, which she would impale on a certain golden instrument with two prongs and thus carry to her mouth. This woman's vanity was hateful to Almighty God, and so unmistakably did he take his revenge." a.k.a. killed her via the plague. Notice he didn't even say the fork's name. He couldn't even say fork. It was that appalling to him. But rude, Pete, rude. You can't say that when people die. But so strong was St. Peter's dislike for the fork that for basically the next 400 years, the fork was canceled. There was no more fork in the rest of Europe. But St. Peter couldn't stop one thing. And that 
is Italy's immense love for pasta. By the late 1400s and early 1500s, spaghetti and pasta had become a huge part of the Italian diet. And so the popularity of the fork grew. It's very hard to eat spaghetti with a spoon. I don't know if you have ever tried, but I do not recommend. You know, no, 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 no. I do recommend try, try and eat spaghetti with a spoon. See how far you get. I would love to see that. Tag me in it on Instagram. (laughs) So, because of spaghetti and pasta, in Italy and Italy alone, the popularity of the fork grew. The devil was beat out by pasta, and if there's one thing that you learn today is that pasta can defeat the devil. That's my message for today. (laughs) If you're having a hard time, eat some pasta. Eat it. It's pretty good. So the fork was cruising along, doing its thing in Italy. But once again, it faced another obstacle when it went to France and England. I don't know if this was a thing in all American universities, but specifically in my university in the States, there was a whole manly culture of men that refused to use straws because they were too feminine and too phallic. This is what they thought. So they couldn't use a straw. And to that I say, sir, if your penis looks like a straw, go to the doctor. I'm sure you're asking yourself, TK, why did you tell us this story? It seems very random. Well, it's not. It's connected. Promise. It is connected by sexism and homophobia. And I will tell you how. So, there were some very innovative travelers that went between Italy and France and England, and they carried around with them and brought back with them forks in the hopes of clean eating. These travelers saw the benefit and the sanitary of the fork and so they were like hey guys let's eat with these forks but England and France were like nah we're not gonna do that for three very specific reasons so first we're gonna talk about England what was England's big issue with the fork yes they felt that God deemed it unnecessary to use the fork because of the same reasons that Italy thought it was unnecessary to use a fork and if someone said that you were using a fork, it was a big insult. For example, when King Henry III was being criticized for the various things that he did, there was an anonymous novel written about him and his court. In the novel, all of his court people, courtiers, were on this island, this mysterious island, where they were all hermaphrodites individuals with both male and female parts. That was not meant to be the insulting part. The insulting part was that his courtiers were supposed to be eating with forks. And in this novel, it said, and his courtiers ate with forks, with more food spilling on the floor than reaching their mouths. And this decadence was considered a sick burn, sick burn. King Henry III needed some ice for that burn about forks and his usage of them. So that was England's 
major issue with the fork. But they also had another issue. And this was the same issue that France had. France's big problem was not about the devil. It was about sexism and homophobia. The French thought that this few-inch-long utensil was too effeminate to be used. It was too delicate and feminine. And only silly women with too much money and time on their hands use this type of delicate utensil. And thus the war on forks began once again. King Louis XIV went so far in his hatred of the fork as to ban his children from using them and dismissing a tutor for suggesting that the children use this increasingly fashionable foreign utensil. Because remember, in Italy, it was going strong. But King Louis was not having it. And forks stayed on the fringe of society for a long time until something amazing happened. France became obsessed with green peas. And a kind of green pea madness began in the late 16th century. A prominent socialite of the time, Madame de Maintenon, wrote in 1696, The subject of peas continues to absorb all others in the conversation of our princess. They are both a fashion and a madness. People were all about these peas. They were freaking out about these peas. And if you look, there are hundreds of recipes that involve peas and just the eating of regular green peas themselves. But there were no utensils that made it easy to eat peas. Of course, there were spoons and there were these little toothpick-like things, but eating the peas with spoons was a little bit difficult, I guess. And then can you imagine just like taking a toothpick and sparing individual peas and getting them into your mouth? It would be super hard, it would be awful, and it was very undignified. So what did the wealthy people of France do? They commissioned silversmiths to change and evolve the technology of the fork. So this is what they did. They closed the gap in the middle of the two tines, like the spear, each spear of the fork is called a tine, and there were just two in the past. So what they did was they added an extra one and they widened the fork and they made it bigger and then they also made it curved so that you could spear and scoop and stab all at the same time. Thus making eating peas very easy and dignified. So because of this pea craze... From this point on, the French were here for the fork. They were living for the fork because the fork gave them access to their beloved peas. But England held out for a lot longer. And they just kept on with the sexism. And many English soldiers wouldn't use a fork up until the very late 1800s, almost into the 1900s. But eventually... They came around. The royal family started using the fork because everything that France did was super fashionable and people wanted to be fashionable. So the war on forks was over in Europe. But the fork drama did not stop there.
The fork reached the United States in the 1830s, and there was a whole new battle with a new kind of devil, the British. America was still very sensitive about becoming its own country away from England, and so anything that was considered too British was super bad. Eliza Farrar, who was the wife of a Harvard professor and a prominent socialite of the time, said of the fork, Of course, when you wish to imitate French or English, you will put every mouthful into your mouth with a fork. But if you think, as I do, that Americans have as good a right to their own fashions, you may choose the convenience of feeding yourself with your hand armed with a steel blade. So basically she was throwing shade at people that wanted to be in fashion with the French and the British way of eating. She was like, we're Americans and we're going to eat with our hands and a knife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that was the general consensus in America. At that time, American people did as much as they could to distance themselves from the British. But they too would come to love the fork. And by the 1900s, the fork was a common utensil in the Western world. People were eaten with forks. And believe it or not, they became their own super fashionable era and they have their own distinct designs throughout the 20th century. So for example in the 1930s the fashionable forks were the skinny Italian designer forks in the 1940s. It was architectural forks. In the 1950s the three-tine fork became really popular and also this was the time when the spork was patented cool. In the 1970s, there was a five-tine fork that became very fashionable. And then in the 1980s, the neon plastic forks became the new thing. And in the 1990s, there was the postmodern fork, which I don't understand what that means. And in the 2000s, there were the sci-fi forks. And forks continue to change and new types of forks are being invented all the time. But there is one final battle that is going on surrounding the fork and that is how many kinds of forks there are in the world. Some people say there's 30. Some people say there's only seven, but the majority of fork experts or etiquette experts say that there are 13, and those are the ones that I listed at the beginning of this podcast. And now we have come to our final part, my personal favorite part of the podcast, the interesting or happy final thought. So today is a weird one, and I'm literally just telling you this because it made me laugh. So there's an American Serbian poet by the name of Charles Simic, and he wrote a series of poems about everyday objects to kind of bring them to life in a dark and weird way and to point out that really violent stuff happens in our everyday life, which is great and weird and wonderful. So in 1999, Charles wrote a poem called The Fork, and I'm going to read that poem to you now. This strange thing must have crept right out of hell. It resembles a bird's foot worn around the cannibal's neck. As you hold it in your hand, 
as you stab with it into a piece of meat, it is possible to imagine the rest of the bird, its head, which like your fist is large, bald, beakless, and blind. I'm very sorry, but I am sure that the next time you go to eat with a fork, you're going to think about this poem. (laughs) But I thought it was just the most hilarious thing and the most weird thing that, that the fork made Charles Simic think of all of these different things. And even in 1999, there is still fork haters out there in the world. So that's it, friend. We have come to the end of episode seven, which is very exciting for me. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And like always, if you have time to leave a review and if you really liked it, subscribe. I come out with new episodes every week about weird and wonderful history things. And if you'd like to see any of the forks or things that I mentioned in this podcast, head on over to the For the Love of History Instagram and check those out. And one last thing for you. I need your help deciding between two topics for next week's episode. So head on over to the For the Love of History's Instagram and vote in the poll. We'll have two different polls going on. One for next week's topic and one to decide the next Empress Baddie that we're going to talk about. So that's it. I've taken enough of your time. I will see you in the next one, friend. Bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>